Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. George Chahori joins us now. Pro Football Focus um, and uh, Head of Research and Development. Hey, George, it's Taz and the Moose with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. We certainly appreciate it. George, what's up? How's it going, guys? I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No, you got it, George. You got it. So, good. For, for those that don't know, right, give us an idea of how you take a look at, you know, how you look at, at professional football here. Well, PFF is a, you know, a unique company. We obviously grade every player on every play in every game. And so that gives us a, an ability to model the way that teams are constructed more so than just looking at, you know, yards per play or how many points a team scored, right? We can really break it down. Uh, to a player-by-player, a facet-by-facet level, how good of a passing team, run-blocking team, coverage team, you know, are our teams. And uh, so when we make predictions, when we go about doing math on football, um, we're trying to leverage that data set as best we can. So that gives us a little bit of a unique look uh, at the league. And obviously getting into the season, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at things. And we like to think that, you know, breaking it down the way that we do allows us to, to really have a nuanced approach to the NFL. Yeah, it's definitely, George, it's, it's pretty cool. It's definitely different. I mean, for sure. It's like, you know, you never, I've never seen it broken down to the level you guys do. Like, so run defense, right? So why is run defense overrated? Well, <laughs> the funny thing about, about the run game is that it, it gets you jacked up. It gets you pumped. You know, you stop a, you stop a couple runs here and there. But really what you're doing is you're, you're stopping the part of the game that doesn't matter nearly as much. And so you might actually be enticing the team to now throw more, and that's, that's what you want to do as an offense. Throwing the ball is just so more advantageous on a per-play basis, especially on those early downs, first down, second down, second down and long in particular. Um, and so run defense is just something that, um, you know, to be quite honest, being very good at is not all that advantageous. Um, you know, the, the teams like the Rams and the Chargers have been notoriously terrible uh, stopping the run and have managed to, to be very successful teams overall the past couple of years. Um, you know, when you look at um, – we talked a little bit earlier about Ezekiel Elliott here, uh, mm-hmm. George. What about, what about the impact of star running backs in the NFL? That's such an interesting topic. And, I, you know, we, I think, are predisposed to value um, what has been valued for a very long time. And certainly in history, you know, the star running back is the guy that, that gets you over the goal line. And so we've, we tend to value that. But if you look at it from a much more macro level, right, how impactful are these star running backs on a play-for-play basis, it just doesn't show up. There isn't that big of a difference between – Ezekiel Elliott running the ball for the Cowboys and Rod Smith or Darren McFadden. I mean, yeah, George, I think... George, let me interrupt you, please, sir. Yeah. I have to say yeah. this, though. Um, I, I think that running backs mean a lot more than just going over the goal line to score a touchdown. I mean, they're the ones that are getting your first down, short yardage. They're the ones without, I mean, 
correct me if I'm wrong here or tell me how I'm wrong through your analytics. Like, how is it like running backs and a good running game, that's going to loosen up your defensive backfield. So, like, it's going to keep the defense on their toes if the if the defensive backfield and the linebackers know that you're going to just throw the ball all the time. You know, they're not take your first responsibility as a defensive player is take your first step forward because it might be a run. So now, if you're not running the ball or running backs don't matter or the or running game doesn't matter, the defense can just kind of pin their ears back and just know it's going to be a pass. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just a little confused on how that how running the ball doesn't matter. No, I, and you bring up points that are, you know, uh, very widely accepted, right? So I think there's a couple here. So the first is, when you try and pick up, say, a you know, third and one, for example, or, or just any run play in right. general, okay. the most important component of your run game is your run blocking. So if, I, if I'm trying to predict how successful a run play is going to be, how good your team is at blocking for the run game, in run blocking your offensive line, your tight end, is, is more important. And so I can actually take you know, running back, um, one and running back 32. And if it's blocked, well, they're going to pick up that, that third and short. And so we tend to, I think, overvalue the Herculean effort of a Saquon Barkley or a Zeke Elliott breaking a couple of tackles behind the line of scrimmage on those sort of one-off plays when on balance, when I look at the, you know, thousands of run plays that happen throughout a season, it's really the run blocking that is most important. So that, that's one. And then the second thing that you bring up is, this sort of establishing the run idea, right? The, right. well, if I want to use play action, I've got to run the ball of successfully. Course, yeah. And and I think you actually hit the nail on the head there, which is teams come out wanting to stop the run. You talk to defensive coordinators, you listen to defensive coordinators talk, they bring it up immediately. Teams walk onto the field with the run game established because they are thinking to themselves, we need to stop the run. And so that's actually why, and this will, I think, blow your mind is that, Teams running the ball successfully aren't actually better at play action. Teams that, that run the that, ball that a lot. That does surprise the hell. That surises me big time. Yeah, that does surprise me as well. Surprised me too. It surprised the, the living daylights out of me too. And and um, and there's just no uh, real hard evidence that establishing the run has to be done. In, in a sense, you can think of it as the run has been established since Red Grange went out there and dominated. You know. All right. those years ago, yeah. it's just in the minds of defenses. Well, let me ask you, but but George, I mean, are we? I mean, are we dealing with it all in reality or a vacuum? I mean, because there are instances. I mean, you know, there there can be outliers to those instances. I mean, so you would be one where you'd never draft a guy like Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick, right? So Saquon Barkley is a is a phenomenal player, and I'm a fan of, of athletes. I think it's so much fun to watch athletes be very athletic. And that's what Saquon Barkley may be as skilled and as dynamic a player as you can find. But here's the example that I kind of always bring up for Saquon Barkley. If your offense, which is run by Eli Manning, can't manage to get the ball more than five yards downfield and ends up dumping it off to poor Saquon on second and 10, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, he may break three tackles and gain a total of three yards or four yards that's setting your offense overall backwards. Now, it's an amazing effort by Saquon just to keep you guys from, you know, a loss there. But it's still overall not that much, uh, not really gaining you value. Whereas if you have an efficient passing offense and you're hitting, you know, guys from the slot six, six yards downfield, 
that's a more valuable play for your offense. Gotcha. So there's a difference between impressive and valuable that it, it hurts running backs, honestly, just because of what they're asked to do. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, with these analysts, it really is. I mean, I mean, you know, I guess for maybe um, older school football mindsets, <clears throat> former players, former coaches, and just <clears throat> fans of the game that support the game, it's it, it is a little tough to wrap around a, a couple of things, especially the running game. I, you know, I, but but whatever. I, I I get what you're saying. So like, maybe actually, like season win total projections for a team. Uh, like, which teams will regress as far as win total projections? It's always, whenever you're looking uh, into a season, people tend to go back back to last year and go, okay, who was a team that was impressive? I, I think this team will be impressive again. And usually that's kind of the wrong way to look at it because what generally makes a team's win-loss record impressive is they, they get a little lucky. And so when we project the season forward, we simulate it 15,000 times. And what that tends to do is help you get rid of some of that luck and see, well, really how good are, are some of these teams? And I think a couple teams that look uh, to be ripe for regression are teams that, that America, quite frankly, loves. So as a fan of football, I kind of hope I'm wrong here, but uh, the Bears and the Cowboys come to mind. Uh, Trubisky and the Bears' offense were very successful last year overall. Maggie was a great coach. But Trubisky was actually not as great as the numbers would, would lead you to believe. He, he led the league in what we call negative throw rate. So you might think of those. Um, uncatchable passes, right? We grade them negatively at PFF. And that's something that's very stable, very consistent for quarterbacks from season to season. So his impact on the offense is likely to be not not great for the Bears. And defense is just a hard thing to hold together. So the Bears would be one. And then the Cowboys, um, they were 9-3 and three in games decided by just one score or less, which is can be is just kind of a fluky thing, right? Teams generally don't go that aren't that successful in close games. So um, those are a couple teams that now have to play first-place schedules that I would look to take a little bit of a step back this year. All right, then then who takes a step up? Well, teams that have quarterbacks that are now in position to, to play well. So I think there are certainly a couple of teams out there. The first that I would mention are just the Cardinals. Uh, if I'm looking at a team that's going to make the biggest jump in terms of quarterback play and offensive play, it's got to be the Cardinals. They had an awful offensive system, multiple uh, offensive coordinators. Josh Rosen was under pressure in less than 2.5 seconds, more than any other quarterback last year. Stood no chance. Kyler Murray comes in. He's athletic enough to handle that that subpar offensive line. So I think the Cardinals um, are, are a team that can make a big step forward. And then I'd also look at the Bucks, who have had a pretty impressive offense over the past two years, but their bugaboo has kind of been capitalizing on that. They get Bruce Arians in there with Jameis Winston. That seems to be a match made in heaven. So those would be a couple teams that I think have the arrow pointing up very firmly. So, George, you're, you're obviously a football fan, right? NFL fan, that's obvious, right? Yep. You know your stuff. And uh, are you, do you, I'm just curious, you, do you play fantasy football? You know, it's funny. I, I do, and I was much more into fantasy football before I started working. In, <laughs> I, I believe that. <laughs> I believe that, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, so like, are you going to play in a league this year, Fantasy Football League? Absolutely. I've got two leagues that um, uh, that I will try to hopefully never bail out on. One with a group of, <laughs> of college buddies and one with some high school buddies. That's so, cool. Yeah, we have guys on our show that bail out. I know what you mean. So, no, this one, I want, this one I want to ask you, dude. So, I'm asking you for a reason. So, like, let's say, you know, uh, in your first or second round, you got a, you know opportunity at a running back. Are you going to go with Alvin Kamara or are you going to go with, uh, you're going to go with David Montgomery? 
<laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you this: I play in auction leagues, which okay. I like because it doesn't it doesn't uh, force me to make that decision. Um, and, and I play in two quarterback leagues, so that puts kind of the premium on the quarterback. But I would say this: if I'm looking at at running backs out there um, in the cu- first couple of rounds, certainly if I'm picking in the top, you know, three or four, or whatever, and you have kind of a standard league construction, maybe you get some points for reception. Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey are sort of the two guys that, that stick out to me. I think Christian McCaffrey is a guy that is uniquely dominating as a receiver, which can generate a ton of value in the NFL. He's a guy that you can put in the slot and actually run receiver routes downfield, which really helps you gain value. So he's a guy that's obviously going to get the carries, score the touchdowns, but can be a huge benefit in the passing game too. You know, uh, when you evaluate, uh, we went through, you know, some ups and downs here. What about the the valuation of, of position here? We have about a minute left. Uh, you know, when you go sure. through the importance of positions on a football team, uh, you know, what is, how does PFF handle that? Yeah, well, looking at which kind of facets of play best help you win games, passing is obviously a clear number one. But I think that the second and third would maybe surprise some people. Generally, it's, it's receiving and coverage. And so they're the two players on the end point of the pass, which is the most valuable play in football. Um, so if you have good receivers and you have good guys, that, uh, good defensive backs that can cover the pass, those are the two second, most, uh, second and third most valuable positions. Not necessarily the easiest to attain. Coverage is kind of a notoriously hard thing to pin down. But if you have it, it's very valuable. George Shahori, uh, PFF Head of uh, Research and Development. Hey, George, we appreciate it. Uh, camps are open up, abound across the country, and uh, thanks for a couple minutes this morning. Thanks a lot, George. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have you a good got- one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.